Reminding us of a basic need that we all have, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. You need to be with other believers. You need to connect on a personal level. You know why? Because God's created us not to be independent, but interdependent. He's created us to help and to serve and to share life together, to bear one another's burdens, to take the joys and share them, and take the sorrows and share them. God has ordained for us to live out our lives together. This is amazing grace. Too many today, and in increasing numbers, live separated and isolated lives. It makes for a small and lonely world, and it's so unnecessary and unwise. That comes to our attention today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In Romans chapter 16, we will hear of the blessing of worshiping and serving together as a church family. Here now to introduce this important theme is Pastor Ed. One of the worst things that you and I can do as a Christian, and let me just say that there are a lot of worst things that we can do, so this is just one on a list. But one of the worst things that you and I can do as Christians is to isolate ourselves and to pull ourselves out of fellowship, especially when tough times come, because that is a tendency for some of you. When tough times come, you tend to pull away from people. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm not answering any emails. I'm not answering the phone. And you get to the place where... Well, you're really beginning to get caught up in yourself and you're not interested in sharing your life with others. It's a very dangerous place to be. It's not all of the worst things and it's certainly not the worst of the worst, but it is one of the worst things you can do. is to pull yourself away from the very people that God has given you to help you. That God has planted you in a church family, the Bible describes the church. God has planted you in the body, which means in the body, every member has a function. Every member is necessary. Every member is needful. You're important to this church. You're important to us. And one of the worst things you can do is when tough times come, you start to pull yourself away from the very people that God has ordained in your life to help you your brothers and sisters in the Lord, whether you know them yet or not. Now, just a brief moment, because I think some people might even be watching on the internet right now. And it's not because your kids are sick, and it's not because you're out of town, it's because, and it's not because you forgot to set your clock, it's because you're starting to pull yourself out of fellowship. And today, you know, I think I'll just check it in on the internet. Now, that's a great tool, and I think you should use it. But if it's because you're pulling yourself out of fellowship, don't use it. You need to be with other believers. You need to connect on a personal level. You know why? Because God's created us not to be independent, but interdependent. He's created us to help and to serve and to share life together, to bear one another's burdens, to take the joys and share them, and take the sorrows and share them. God has ordained for us to live out our lives together. And what's amazing to me as I read through Romans 16 is how Paul modeled for us the sharing of life. 
I mean, when you read through, you might have read ahead and you might have found 26 names mentioned in the last chapter of Romans. Two people that were referred to that are unnamed because Paul was connected. You know, a lot of people look at Paul's life and they come to some of the wrong conclusions just based on what they see. One of the things that people say about Paul is that he was a lone ranger, man. And he just did things on his own, and he just went and did his own thing, and he was just this renegade, the apostle of the Lord, and that's not true. Paul was surrounded with people, men and women, that came alongside of him and helped him in the ministry. He wasn't a lone ranger. He valued relationships and had many of them. You know, when you read through the last chapter of Romans, what's amazing to me is all the names that he mentioned there, but he never had gone to Rome at the time that he wrote this letter. Now, a lot of the people he met along the way, but there were a lot of people in Rome that he knew by name but had never met them. I mean, that's amazing to me how he was able to connect with people in that time. I mean, come on, there were no cell phones. There was no Facebook, you know. Well, hey, Ed, I got 5,000 friends on Facebook that I don't know. You know, no, that's not it. It wasn't any of the technology was here. He was just connected with people and he knew them, you know, by name. He knew some of them by face. Some of them he served together. Why? Because he was connected. He wasn't a lone ranger. He understood God didn't create us to be independent, but interdependent upon one another. We're knit together, the Bible says. And we're to depend upon one another. That's why I put that little sheet in your bulletin today of all the one another verses. Now, that's not exhaustive. There's a lot more that I couldn't fit on the, on the page. But that's enough to give you some meat to chew on this week. And that's my encouragement to you. Take that sheet and for your devotional life this week, just meditate on all the requirements, all of the blessings, all of the beauties of the one another's in the church. How we need one another, how we serve one another, how we're to love one another, how we're to help one another. On and on that list goes. The Bible's full of it full of the one another responsibilities that God has given to us as believers. And so please go through it. Pray through it. Knowing that not only are you here by God's design, but so are the people next to you. And we're to be here for one another. And so when you read through chapter 16, another thing that you notice is that in the names that Paul mentions, you'll find that he writes and says hello to Jews and Gentiles. He says hello to male and female. He says hello to those that were slaves and to nobility. You know why? Because that's the church. The church is filled with diversity. Men, women, Jew, Gentile, different ethnic backgrounds, different upbringings, different statuses in life. Everything about us in our differences are brought together in one in Jesus Christ. And there's such value in learning about where somebody's come from, what they're going through. The church in Rome was filled with wonderful diversity, just like the church is today. Now, 13 of the names we know are found in ancient documents referring to Caesar's household. 13 of the names come from Caesar's household, and many of them are actually slave names. And one cool thing that you see in this chapter is that nine names out of the 26, are women. Women were very valuable to Paul in the ministry, very valuable to Jesus Christ. That's another thing, another bad rap that Paul gets. 
You'll read some of the commentaries. You'll hear some of the women's liberation statements out there today to say Paul is a chauvinist. He was a woman hater. Don't listen to Paul. Jesus, he loved women. Paul hated women. And they might take you to 1 Timothy chapter 2 with some of the order that God gives in the church. And let me say, Paul the apostle was not a male chauvinist in any way whatsoever. When you read this list, you'll see in a moment that there were many women that were very valuable. Do you even see the phrase that they labored much for me and with me? And ladies, you need to know how valuable you are to the ministry. You're very, very important to the ministry. You, you have been ordained by God to accomplish things in who you are and how you're gifted very, very uniquely. And you're very valuable. You know that Jesus Christ, he elevates women. If you want to test me on this, go home today, grab out a map or maybe you have a globe and spin that baby around and put your finger on a country where the gospel of Jesus Christ has not taken root. And you know what you'll find? Women in subjection, women being mistreated, women being taken advantage of, women not valued. Any country where the gospel hasn't taken root, women are treated like second-class citizens. You take that same globe and vroom, spin it around and put your finger on a place where the gospel of Jesus Christ has taken root, and you know what you'll find? Women that have been elevated to their rightful place as a human being in the eyes of God. You'll find women being freed from the bondage of humanity and within the church and as a believer in Jesus Christ, even the women that aren't believers, women have been elevated and exalted to a place where you belong anywhere the gospel's taken root. You know why? Because Jesus is the great liberator. It's Jesus Christ that liberates both men and women. And ladies, your value, your value is not what society places upon you, but your value is what Jesus Christ places on you. And let me just say, that's a high value. Do you know God has used women throughout the centuries in a great and wonderful way? I can go through a list. I will with you if you want to take some notes. I'll point out some of the ladies that God has used over the years. For instance, we meet Miriam in Exodus chapter 15. She was an anointed worship leader, Miriam was. God used her greatly. For those of you that are with us on Wednesday nights... We're studying the book of Judges. When we get to Judges chapter 4, you know who we're going to be introduced to? A woman named Deborah. She was a national leader. God used her as a judge to deliver the sinful, idolatrous nation. Oh, God uses women in a great and wonderful way. We get to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. We're introduced to Holda. She's a prophetess. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 2, Anna as a prophetess. When we come to Acts chapter 18, we're introduced to Priscilla. Remember, you usually remember Priscilla as Priscilla and Aquila, her husband. Priscilla was an anointed Bible teacher, and God used her greatly. We come through and we meet Phoebe right here in verse 1 of chapter 16 of Romans. She was a deaconess in the early church. And then, of course, surrounding Jesus were many women in Luke chapter 24 and John chapter 11. And let me just say that Women are a vital part of this ministry. There are so many women in our church that serve tirelessly, self-sacrificially. Some they serve here, some they serve at home, some oversee ministries. I mean, ladies, you're very, very valuable. And so be careful when you start hearing people say that either Jesus was a male chauvinist or Paul was a male chauvinist or the Bible 
It's not so. At the cross of Jesus Christ, we're all there together. The cross is the great equalizer. And we need to remember that. So pick up verse 1, chapter 16. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea. Now circle that word servant. We get our word deacon from that. Diakonos is the Greek word. We get our word English word deacon. And many believe that Phoebe was a deaconess. She held that role of deaconess or servant, an official place in the church. He says in verse 2 that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you, for indeed she has been my helper, a helper of many and of myself also. And so Phoebe had a cool position because Phoebe is the one that took the letter from Corinth. She came through her hometown of Sincrea and then comes to Rome and actually delivers the letter to Rome. And so whatever role that she had, we see very clearly she was very valuable to the ministry and the church there was to hook her up when she showed up. She were to take care of her, make sure she was comfortable. They were to receive her and help her in whatever business that she needed. And Paul greets her. I like that. Verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. And here's another couple that we meet that Paul greets. We introduced to them in Acts chapter 18. You know how Paul met them? Making tents. Paul was a tent maker. Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers, but they were also ministers of the gospel. They had a full-time job, and they served the Lord at night and when they weren't working. And so they meet up in Acts chapter 18, and although Paul says, hey, tell them I said hello, greet them, they risked their necks for me, we aren't told anywhere how that happened. You can't find it anywhere in scripture, none of history tells us how that happened. But isn't it cool to have friends that would be willing to risk their necks for you? I mean, that's somebody I want to say hi to. Hey, tell Priscilla and Aquila, man, thanks. They saved my life. And that's a good friendship to have. And then notice in verse 5, he says, Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Do you know, for the first 200 years or so of church history, there were no major buildings. Buildings came along when Christians were given the right to own land. And so for the first few hundred years, churches met in homes you would call home churches. If you had a large home, there was a lot of people in there, large church in a large home. If you had a small home, then there was a small church meeting in that home. And so what Paul is saying is, hey, not only was Priscilla and Aquila, not only did they risk their lives for me, but hey, they've opened up their hearts and they've opened up their homes. And I want you just to tell, say everybody, tell hi everybody that's meeting in their home. Say hi to the church that's meeting in their home. And you know, that is a principle that we have built our home fellowships on. A time of personal communion in a small setting where men and women from our church have opened up their homes and there are teachers and leaders there that the church we can connect throughout the week. That we can plug in on a smaller scale. We can start to meet people on a smaller scale. It's very, very important for us, church. It's very, very important for a church like ours that is growing constantly. 
It really has not stopped since we started this fellowship back in 99. It's continued to grow. And you know what happens when the church continues to grow? I'll start to hear things like, you know, Pastor Ed, the church is just getting too big for me. It's just getting too big for me. I've been here X amount of years, or I've been here X amount of months, and and I just haven't met anyone yet. I just haven't connected with anyone yet. And I'm going to go find a smaller church to connect with because I'm I'm sure that's what God wants me to do. Okay. One of the first things that I'll begin to share with you, if you came up and shared that with me, you go, I, have just, I, haven't, I haven't met one person in this church. I've been here X amount of years, X amount of months. I haven't met one person. One of the things I'm going to say to you is this. Why not? Why not? Why haven't you met someone? Oh, it's so easy for us to be in this place and we go, oh, oh you know, nobody's greeted me, nobody's called me, nobody's... Okay, okay. Who have you greeted? And who have you reached out to? How have you connected? I mean, there's a big difference when you walk in those doors. You walk in those doors, okay, I'm sitting here, I'm not moving, not looking at anybody, and I'm going to wait. If somebody says hi to me, I'm staying. If somebody doesn't say hi to me, I'm out the door. Oh, come on. That's not fair. It's not spiritual. How about this? You want to meet somebody? This is your first Sunday day. You want to meet somebody? You walk in those doors and you start saying hi to people. You say, you know what? I'm determined to meet someone. Are you hungry? Yeah, man, I'm famished. All right, well, let's go get something to eat. I'll buy. Hey, man, you buy me lunch? Hello, how you doing? <laughs> I mean, come on, it's a hard issue, church. And the reason why we have these home fellowships, these smaller groups, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, the moms ministry, the homeschooling ministry, all these home fellowships that keep multiplying and multiplying and growing and, and splitting off and starting new ones is so you can connect. I remember years ago in the school, we were going from one service to two. And that was a big thing for us. It was, I'd never done it before. I didn't know what it meant. I was afraid that, you know, all the worst would happen. We'd have two services and no, I don't want two services anymore. And we're all, we're all in that place where, oh, Lord, I just, just uh, the right times. We want everything right. We know this is from you. And some of the people in the church were a little concerned about it. And I remember somebody coming up to me and having a discussion, something like this. You know, Pastor Ed, I think it's a bad idea to add another service. And I go, oh, really? Don't you see? The room is full. The parking lot's full. And we need to make room for all the people that are coming. And, and they said something like, you know, Ed, I, I don't think the church should grow one more person. I like it the way it is. What? You don't want the church to grow one more person? No, no, I, I like it. I like it. It's like nice and cozy and family and, and you know, we pretty much know everyone and, and, and I like it that way. And I don't like, I'm not looking forward to meeting new people. And you know, we went on and on and I, and so I started saying things like, so you're telling me you don't want one more person saved? No, I didn't say that. So are you telling me that you don't, if someone does get saved, we should send them somewhere else? Oh, no, I'm not saying that. So are you telling me that as soon as all the people arrive that are supposed to be here, we need to lock the doors, take the signs down, and say, hit the road, buddy. We met our quota here. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But what happens is we, we're not open to a work of the Spirit. We're not open for the dynamic move of the Spirit where church, church, you guys are about ready. In just a few months, we're going to add another service here. And we're going to have to add another service to accommodate the things that are going on in our fellowship, the growth, the kids, the park, all of it, to make room for the work of the Lord. And as we continue to add, that God is adding to his church daily as those that should be saved, then we're making available these smaller groups for you to connect with. 
for you to get involved with, for you to share life with. Yeah, we come together in these larger gatherings. We should. It's good to come together with the saints. It's good to sing together. It's good to study the Bible because the Bible says that he has given pastors and teachers to the church so we could be edified, we could be trained, we could be built up, we can grow in the things of the Lord. So very important to have these larger studies, but it's also important to get involved in something smaller to plug in. And so if you're in that place right now, you're like, Ed, I don't know anyone. I've never met anyone. Then my question to you is why not? Take that greeting time seriously. Take the home fellowship seriously. See, it's for your own spiritual health. I still remember back in California, some of my most fondest memories of the Calvary Chapel I came from, which was much larger than this. One of the fondest memories I have is all the times we spent in our home fellowship. All the families we got to share life with, the babies that were born there, the sicknesses, the teenage rebellion that we prayed through, the family issues, all the things that come out that make us real people all come out in the context of a smaller group. And that's why you see them. They're all around town. We have smaller groups all around town because people are coming to Calvary from all around town. And we want to make one close for you. We want to have available to you so you can gather together and be encouraged in the Lord. So back in Romans 16, there was a church meeting in Priscilla and Aquila's house, just like in our home fellowships. There are churches meeting, you're meeting there. And it's so, so encouraging. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or get it on Google Play. Pastor Ed, we just entered into September today, and that means we have a new resource to talk about. What do we have to offer our listeners? Our offer this month is a book called Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy. It's a book explaining the power of lamenting. I I picked it up. You know, it's ever since my son passed away seven years ago, I've been battling grief, like many of you, and battling really difficult. Uh, even the grief is made worse with really difficult situations that still linger. Uh, pain upon pain. And so I'm always looking for resources to, to minister my soul, to learn how to draw near to God in the midst of pain and difficulty. And, and we picked this book of the month because it helped me personally a lot. And it is dis- helping you discover the grace of lamenting. And you'll be surprised on some of the chapters of how this author... Mark Vrogop will lead you in teaching you what the psalmist... I mean, you're already familiar with lamenting because you're familiar with some of the difficult passages in Psalms where David's complaining and concerning, running to the Lord, and they're all inspired of the Lord. And you're you're familiar with this. There's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. And I want you to learn, and this isn't just for those grieving, but listen, everybody's hurting in some way. Like, everyone has difficulty in life. Everyone has hardship. If you've ever felt like something wasn't fair, if you've ever felt like you faced an injustice, this book is for you. I picked it up, I started reading it, and right, like, I was only a few chapters in, and I'm like, I need to teach this book. So I actually taught a class on our, when we were doing Zoom classes through this book and the people that joined us, it was fantastic. Get the book, whether you get it from us or you get it through Kindle 
uh, you know, through Amazon, however you get books, we want to put it in your hands. Uh, if you want to support the ministry, great. Um, we, we do have, uh, we we do appreciate that because it does cost to have it on the radio. But whatever the Lord wants to do, get this book. God bless you. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Rogop. Call 877-30-GRACE, and we'll drop that in the mail right away. Please keep in mind, it's your generosity that helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us to make that possible. Call 877-30-GRACE or donate online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Ed Taylor is the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. And whether you live many miles away from us or you're not quite ready to go out in public due to COVID-19, you can always watch our services live online. We have a Saturday evening service at 6 and two services on Sunday mornings at 845 and 1045. And you can also view the Wednesday service at 7 p.m. Get more information or watch our services online at calvaryco.church. We're also on YouTube, and the live stream is available through our app. Tell a friend about these daily studies, and then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from Romans. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.